0: Welcome. This is Janine Molloff. Let's turn that off. Okay. Welcome. This is Janine Molloff here at the Environmental Justice Report. With me, Janine Molloff, your host. Tonight, we're going to talk about the Flint water crisis and the pending criminal prosecution. Finally, after six years, you know, there has been so much corruption. In government I don't know if it's more corruption or we just know more about it because there's so much more in terms of social media but after a while you just feel like the whole job the whole world's gone crazy so let's talk about Flint by now you've known the Flint water crisis it hit the national airwaves and public consciousness back in 2016 but it was going on the injustice was going on before 2016 How did this happen? Well, here's what happened, all right? In Flint, Michigan, they switched their water source uh, through uh, basically an emergency manager, and they went from the water source being Lake Huron to the heavily polluted Flint River. So here's what happened. There was an emergency manager law in Flint, Michigan that was pushed through by former Governor Rick Snyder. And this emergency manager law stripped the citizens of Flint and really anybody under in Michigan, really, if they fell in that category, they were stripped of the right to democratically self-govern, all right? So if, if you were in a community that was poor and you had an emergency manager under Rick Snyder's law assigned to you, then you essentially lost the right to self-govern and became disenfranchised. Now, I can hear, and Snyder's a Republican, I can hear the GOP saying, no, people were allowed to vote. Yeah, but what good does having the right to vote do you if the results of the election aren't respected? And that's what happened in Flint and really in other low-income communities in Michigan. So the city of Flint was cash-strapped, and former Governor Rick Snyder, he didn't just enact an emergency manager law. There's been similar laws in the country for some time now, but he tweaked it and changed it so it went far beyond the needs of, say, financially strapped communities to help them manage their finances. Under the Michigan law that Rick Snyder pushed through, what happened basically was, whether you had a mayor, city council, whatever, everything that in government was for that time was taken over by the emergency manager. It didn't matter what the citizens voted for. I call that disenfranchisement. So. Basically, this is what happened, and one of the things the emergency manager did in Flint was, as I said before, switch uh, water from Lake Huron to the heavily polluted Flint River. And then what resulted, lead poisoning of their children reached astronomical levels. Uh, If there was ever a case of environmental racism, this is it, They, they hurt the babies. The majority of citizens, it's by no coincidence, majority of citizens in Flint are low-income, and people of color. Now, after some six-plus years, politicians responsible, uh, former government Rick Snyder, along with some of these managers, um, basically are being held criminally accountable. Michigan finally has the response of Attorney General, Democrat Damon Nessel, and Attorney General Nessel filed criminal charges a few weeks ago against the politicos that were responsible for this attack on the people of Flint. And these were criminal charges, and including against former Governor Rick Snyder. So I'm glad the criminal prosecutions have followed. And this case, if you haven't heard about it before, then this may sound a little helter skelter. But are these criminal prosecutions of of uh, Rick former Governor Rick Snyder and a few of the emergency managers and so on? Is that really enough? I mean, do those specific prosecutions address what I consider to be the true criminals, the anti-democracy forces who engineered this crime against humanity in Flint and before that in Pontiac, Michigan, and finally in Detroit. These are all communities of color, and their only crime is being poor. The fact is the emergency manager law has expanded in Michigan under former Governor Snyder and through recommendations by the folks at this this conservative think tank called the Mackinac Center, basically, essentially disenfranchises voters. You could say it's a poll tax, whatever. Voters can vote, but their votes are basically set aside by the emergency manager. Let's talk first, for those of you that are a little unfamiliar, let's fill in a few of the blanks about Flint. Flint, if there was ever a poster child for environmental racism, Flint, Michigan is it. So from Michael Moore, I saw this, and he put out this column saying ten things they won't tell you about the Flint water tragedy, but I will by Michael Moore. So, and Michael Moore said the same thing I'm I'm saying and have said is that basically, with the new emergency manager law, the way Rick Snyder pushed it through, and expanded the powers, they basically nullified elections in Flint. And then they, then what happened then is they Got rid of the mayor, the city council, they could still meet, but they had no power. And then, according to Michael Moore, to save money, um, the emergency manager, under the auspices of Rick Snyder, apparently, they took, they basically unhooked the people of Flint from their drinking water source, which was fresh water in Lake Huron. Lake Huron is a massive source of good drinking water. And they decided that the public in Flint are going to drink from the Flint River, which is so heavily polluted, it really is toxic. When Governor Snyder's office, according to Michael Moore, discovered that the water in the Flint River was just that toxic, the first thing, according to Michael Moore, is Snyder and his people just kept quiet about it. They didn't talk about it, and they covered up the idea that lead was affecting the children. Keep in mind, lead poisoning does cause... Permanent, irreversible brain damage in children. We have no cure for it. But citizen activists found out about these things, and they made a stink, and then the media finally came in. But Michael Moore said, here are 10 things you probably don't know about this crisis. Uh, And he's basically attributing that to the fact that the media came into the story late. Keep in mind, Michael Moore's from Flint. Um, Number one, to quote Michael Moore, While the children in Flint were given poisoned water to drink, General Motors was given a special hookup to the clean water. I'll explain. So after Governor Snyder um, basically appointed an emergency manager who then decided to remove Flint from Lake Huron's water that they had been drinking for decades and hook him up with uh, the Flint River, the big brass, the executives of General Motors, complained now, get this, they, didn't, they were washing car parts with, you know, water but from the Flint River, and they didn't want to do that anymore. GM complained because while they were washing their car parts with water from the Flint River, the water from the Flint River caused the automobile parts to corrode. You can't make this stuff up. Can you imagine what it's doing to the development of young children? But Governor Snyder was upset about that. So he didn't want General Motors to be damaged. And so he made sure that he could find $440,000 to basically allow GM to hook back up to Lake Huron water. But keep in mind, the rest of Flint, Michigan, was was force-fed the toxic water from the Flint River. That means children in Flint were drinking water filled with lead and other toxins. And the only, the only addressee in the area that was permitted access to the clean water of Lake Huron was General Motors. So you think, okay, that's bad enough, but it gets worse. Now, Michael Moore explains that federal law requires that any water system that's sent through lead pipes, old pipes that are lead, has to have an additive in it that essentially seals the lead into the pipe it keeps lead from leaching, in other words, leaching or leaking into the water. Okay? So at the beginning of this big mess, somebody suggested to the governor that they add this anti-corrosive element to the water being fed to the people, to the water coming from the Flint River being force-fed to the people of Flint. And apparently the question from Snyder's side was, how much does that cost? And the answer was $100 a day for three months. Well, apparently Snyder didn't want to do that. According to Michael Moore, Snyder basically was fine with send, with saving $9,000 while they basically let the children of Flint be basically, you know, be subjected to lead poisoning, which will ruin their entire lives. But somehow, $9,000 was too much to pay to protect the children of Flint, but somehow Rick Snyder could find $440,000 to make sure that GM's parts don't corrode on the assembly line while they're being washed. Okay, that's something. Here's more. It's not just lead in Flint's water that's coming from the Flint River. That's part of it. But there's also an incidence of Legionnaire's disease that's increased tenfold since the switch. In fact, a lot of the criminal prosecutions uh, through the AG are basically based on this idea that people were, people were stricken with Legionnaire's disease. I wish they'd do more and also include the lead poisoning. And then physicians in the area have discovered uh, approximately another half dozen toxins that are being found in the blood. Of the men, women, and children of Flint, and that's basically a health disaster looming over the horizon. Not only that, the people's homes in Flint are worth nothing. They can't sell it. Who wants to live in a community where you have to worry if your children will be will, will be stricken with lead poisoning or God knows what every time they take a slug from you know the water fountain? They don't. So. Basically, most people, the, the only real asset they have is their home so they've lost that too. And then Michael Moore points out that while the people of Flint were poisoned, they were also being bombed because the Pentagon desired, decided to have some war games in Flint um, that were unannounced and terrified people for weeks. There's more. Michael Moore also reported the wife of the governor's of Rick Snyder's chief of staff is a spokeswoman for Nestle. And Nestle is Michigan's largest owner of private water reserves. Okay? It's just like what Deep Throat said, follow the money. And this woman's name is Deb Deb Muchmore, and she's a spokesperson in Michigan for Nestle. Um, Nestle's been repeatedly sued in northern Michigan um, for basically about 200 gallons of fresh water per minute. It steals from out of the ground and bottles, uh, and they pay virtually nothing for it. So basically, Michael Moore said, look, this is a culture of death. It just is. And he pointed out, don't call it Detroit water, okay, because it comes from Lake Huron. And Lake Huron is, the water's phenomenal. Michael Moore also pointed out something that I don't think the AG has really looked at. All the children of Flint and similar towns and all the adults have been exposed. Anyone that lived there... Came through there, took a glass of water, cooked food with it, washed your clothes, whatever. Eating vegetables from someone's garden, everybody's affected. And you've been exposed to multiple toxins. All right, so this is something, and why was this all done? So that the very wealthy in Michigan could get a big tax break. Snyder took office in 2011. One of the first things he did was push through a multi billion dollar tax break. But with less tax, you have to cut costs somewhere else. Schools, pensions, welfare, and guess what? Safe drinking water. And then Snyder invoked, according to Moore again, an executive privilege to take over cities. All of them are majority black, by the way, by firing mayors and city councils and installing basically his little cronies who are dictators. And that was through the Emergency Manager Act. And again, the Emergency Manager Act in in Michigan under Rick Snyder was expanded. It didn't just include dealing with helping uh, a struggling struggling municipality to deal with, say, some financial issues. It expanded to everything, political, you name it. These emergency managers in Flint and in Pontiac and in Detroit were dictators. They controlled everything. Essentially, democracy was murdered in Flint, Pontiac, and Detroit, Michigan, by Rick Snyder and his cronies, and his cronies included a group called the Mackinac Center. We'll talk about them later a lot more. The Mackinac Center is affiliated with another group called the State Policy Network, which is through ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. These are think tanks. They write pre-prepared bills. They're a bill mill. They, and basically, they are behind majority of anti-democracy action we see in the United States. But in Michigan, it's Mackinac. Let's talk about Governor Snyder's emergency manager law. Okay. First of all, there's been other laws like that on the books. As I've said repeatedly, emergency manager laws were in place to assist allegedly assist struggling municipalities deal with their financial issues. But they weren't, the emergency manager was not supposed to basically cross over into anything else. But in Michigan, he tweaked it so that the emergency manager controlled everything. The emergency manager basically took over as the mayor, the city council, the courts, the police, the schools, the school board, everything political rights were lost with Rick Snyder's signature. So here's what happened. The emergency manager law, Rick Snyder did have to testify in front of Congress, by the way, and uh, he was questioned by Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman, Democrat, New Jersey, asking him, quote, did that emergency management system fail under your leadership in this matter? And she's talking about the Flint water crisis. And Snyder said, that would be a fair conclusion. Jerry Connolly, Democrat of Virginia, said, this is a failure of a philosophy of governance you advocated. A city in America is on its knees because of your emergency manager's decision to save $4 million, and now it's going to cost a lot more to clean up, end quote. So who's funding the war on local democracy? Okay, and that's what it is. It's easier to attack local, locally and at the state level than it is federally. Well, the same Billionaire class. Um, these think tanks have been backed by money, monetarily wise, by the DeVos family. That's Amway, the Kochs, and others. And Snyder has his own fortune too. But here's what happened, okay? Um, the DeVos dynasty targets Michigan. It's Betsy DeVos family and here's the here's the sad part rick snyder actually campaigned as a republican moderate you have to choke on that one seriously even though snyder was a venture capitalist how a venture capitalist can campaign as a republican as a moderate anything i don't know but it basically snyder was elected and devos back groups, specifically, especially the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, helped push this through. So Mackinac Center, it was launched in 1987. It pushes this free market nonsense. It, as I said, it's an active member in the State Policy Network and the American Legislative Exchange Council, which are big cogs in a coke political machine. Um, and... Basically, it was quoted, a Mackinac staffer in Mother Jones told a state legislator in 2011, quote, our job is to outlaw government collective bargaining in Michigan. So Mackinac funding, a lot of Mackinac activities have been funded by DeVos, as well as the COAPS. Mackinac also received from the Donors Trust and Donors Capital Fund. But here's what happened. Snyder was sworn in, became governor. And then he pushed through this thing that Mackinac desperately wanted. I call it the legislative snake. Public Act number four. Sounds so benign, doesn't it? Public Act number four. You think that maybe they're talking about, I don't know, um, giving free school lunches or something, but that's not it. As he signed off on Public Act No. 4, thousands of people protested outside. Public Act No. 4, or the EM law, gave him the ability to take near total control over any community or municipality that was considered financially struggling, whatever that means, through appointed emergency managers. So this is an anti-democracy law. That should have been the grounds for Snyder's impeachment right there. Again, why didn't the Democrats in Michigan challenge this law in court? Why didn't the feds under Obama challenge this law, this vicious and unconstitutional attack on low-income communities of color? Why didn't the feds under Obama challenge this as an illegal form of poll tax? Keep in mind, the Emergency emergency financial manager law in Michigan was tweaked. And here's what happened. Emergency financial managers date back to a 1988 Michigan law, but those managers had limited power. Then along comes Mackinac Center's Louis Schimmel. He pushed for more power, and he argued as early as 2005 that, quote, the state's policy prescription for fiscally floundering cities should be to appoint far more powerful emergency financial managers than they have in the past, end quote. So this push to basically nullify local democracy, came straight from, Louis Schimmel was the top, was the mouthpiece, but he came straight from the Mackinac Center. And basically, Mackinac kept pushing for sweeping authority. So the emergency manager uh, basically assumed the powers of elected city councils, mayors, they could break union contracts, they could revise or change or end municipal charters. And here's the kicker. While they do all these things that are clearly unconstitutional, the emergency manager would receive legal, full and total legal immunity from any liability resulting from their actions. Wow. Doesn't that sound like it's handmade for the Flint water poisoning crisis? I'll say it again. Mackinac Center pressured through their mouthpiece, Louis Schimmel, who worked for them, to expand the emergency manager law, and Rick Snyder went along with it with his his little public act number four, and those provisions gave the emergency manager unlimited power so that an emergency manager appointed by the governor to any community that was seen as financially struggling. Now, mind you, I don't think it was much criterion, just an opinion, but I'm not sure about that. And under that, emergency managers assumed the powers. In other words, they took over the city council. They took over for the mayor. They could break union contracts, revise, change, or I guess throw out municipal charters, which is basically the whole little constitution of a local municipality. And while they're doing all these unconstitutional, anti-democracy things, they, the emergency manager gets total legal immunity from any liability resulting from their actions. Good Lord, that—that's. Now you talk about rigged. Keep in mind, Rick Snyder came across as this low-key guy, not—not not crazy like Donald Trump. You know what? A snake, by any other, any other name, still a snake. So. Rick Snyder granted these changes and Snyder's emergency manager law included all four of those changes that Mackinac through Lewis Schimmel demanded. Citizens groups rightfully called uh, uh, this law as quote financial martial law end quote. And that is a good way to put it. This is financial martial law. I don't know how else you could call it anything else. Now, as I said before, Other cities around the country have had emergency managers, including New York City in the 70s, but their powers were limited to financial issues. But the newly expanded EM law in Michigan basically nullified any Democratic rule. So here's what happened. The people got together, okay? The people were so angry that citizens and public employees in Michigan, they had extensive protests. They gathered more than 200,000 signatures to put a voter initiative on the ballot, a popular vote. It was called Proposal 1, and it was set for the November 2012 ballot, and the purpose was to repeal Snyder's expanded emergency manager law. Now, there was another group that didn't want this Proposal 1 to see the light of day, and that was called Stand Up for Democracy. And Stand Up for Democracy, again, another ironic name, received 91% um, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. Stand Up for Democracy is a ballot committee backing Proposal 1, okay? And they, were, they got most of their, their uh, funding from the unions, okay? And Proposal 1 would repeal Snyder's expanded emergency manager law, okay? Need new glasses, people. But there was opposition, and the opposition was led by a lawyer named Bob LeBrant, LeBrant was senior counsel at the Sterling Corporation. Now, it gets deeper. The Sterling Corporation, according to uh, Barn Pearson, this was a leading Republican PR firm, okay? LeBrant's committee was called Citizens for Fiscal Responsibility. They went to court to basically force Proposal 1 off the ballot. The effort failed. And so the group... You know, they, they lost, okay? So but notice how the GOP worked so feverishly to attack the right to a popular vote through an initiative proposal on Democratic Will Itself. So on November 6, 2012, 53% of Michigan's voters voted to repeal Snyder's emergency manager law. But it didn't end there. Nope, Snyder and his minders at Mackinac Center came back a month later and Snyder pushed a very sneakily revised bill through the lame duck legislature and it restored the unconstitutional and dictatorial sweeping powers of the emergency managers. And how did that work? Well, Snyder added what basically was called an appropriation. And under Michigan law, that appropriation, quote, prevents it from being subject to referendum. Okay, so once you put on that appropriation, even if the people came back with another, I'm sorry, referendum that is to repeal it through popular vote, it wasn't you couldn't do it. The law said you couldn't. So that's what we have there. Okay. Um, Then, then basically, the new law did contain what was called a choose-your-poison provision. This is according to Eclecta blog. So municipalities under the Emergency Manager Act could choose the poison that they wanted under Snyder's law. They could either choose between receiving an emergency manager, in other words, submitting to a dictatorship, or they could choose bankruptcy, arbitration, which nobody says corporation ever wins, or a consent agreement, none of which are reasonable or in accordance with an actual democracy. Note how all these alleged remedies come from the world of corporate law. But there was no relief for struggling cities that went broke. Okay? And a lot of these struggling cities like Flint and Pontiac, they went broke because of major corporate income tax cuts that in addition, another one that Snyder pushed through. They were basically suffering from the collapse of the auto industry and the impact of free trade agreements. And basically, Snyder handed Michigan businesses in 2011 an 86% corporate income tax cut. You can't make this stuff up. And that was according to thinkprogress.org. So the fact that Snyder's emergency manager law came back, even though it shouldn't have, the people voted. It didn't matter. And that wasn't even the most dramatic thing in 2012, in the lame duck session. According to Mother Jones, the DeVos family and their allies led a $23 million campaign to defeat another voter initiative called Proposal 2. And Proposal 2 would have basically ensured collective bargaining in the state constitution by enshrining it. And the DeVos, of course, wanted to ram through Right to Work. So, they pitched the plan to Snyder, and he went along with it. But this is what leads up to the water crisis in Flint. So the expanded emergency management comes to Flint. Okay, Flint had lost 90% of its industrial workforce. Um, There was disinvestment and depopulation. What's called what it is white flight. And they were basically in the midst of a severe financial crisis that was caused, again, by these big wealthy forces that they had no control over. And the people of Flint had the audacity to want their kids to go to safe schools and things like that. But Snyder appointed four emergency managers to not only seize control of Flint's assets, but to also run the political affairs. So the voters in Flint, during the beginning of this water crisis, they elected a new mayor, but Snyder had his state review panel nullify the election. And they declared a local government financial emergency. The the, the translation is, people of Flint, you're poor, you're majority black, newsflash, you don't have a right to self-government. That's what he was really saying. So he installed the first emergency manager, Michael Brown. Um, The next day, Brown uh, fired more than half a dozen key city administrators, and they basically kicked out Flint's elected officials, and their pay and benefits were removed. Keep in mind, since Flint is a majority black city, wouldn't these be considered a Voting Rights Act violation? Shouldn't voting rights extend to having the election results respected? Looks like a glimpse of a Trump cheat to me. <clears throat> so in January 2012, Flint residents had a protest near Snyder's home, and they tried, the AFSCME union filed a suit, and they tried to get a restraining order on the emergency manager, Michael Brown. But Brown was back in April. He unveiled his, his budget, and his budget was, uh, basically had cuts in every department and a tax hike. These people, they can't afford what they have, but he's going to hike taxes. Now we have another another arrogant, I'm just going to say it, another arrogant rich jackass named Jack McHugh from the Mackinac Center. And he, he wrote a March 2012 column, and he spoke about how municipal budget problems were, quote, a cancerous fiscal malpractice. And McHugh also argued that Snyder's EM expansion was the quote, rigorous chemotherapy needed to quote, sustain the necessary functions of tapped out school districts and local governments, end quote. The arrogance of the people from Mackinac is beyond belief. All right. Um, McHugh didn't concern the, himself with the fact that children of Flint were subjected to lead poisoning. And keep in mind, there is some documentation evidence that points to the fact that Governor Snyder and his cronies at Mackinac knew that lead was going to leach from those lead pipes from the, from the, with the Flint River water coming through, and they chose not to add the anti-corrosive additive that would have protected the children. They just thought that the children of Flint weren't worth $9,000 total to protect. So in Flint, what happened was Flint was getting their water service from Detroit, which was Lake Huron. It was expensive. There were uh, rate increases, and Flint and Cerrani-Genesee County had joined nearby cities in 2010, and they were forming what was called the New Carrot non B Water Authority. And they were going to obtain water straight from Lake Huron. They were building a new pipeline that was going to be completed in 2016. The Flint City Council voted for the new water source in 2013, but it was symbolic because they, again, had no power. The emergency manager and state treasurer um, said no and approved a plan to switch water supplies to the toxic Flint River. Keep in mind, the same water that, when it was applied to wash auto parts at GM, corroded the parts. I can't get past this. I'm sorry. So it goes on. There's a couple more emergency managers. Um, Second one was Ed Kurtz. Um, He's the one that hired a private engineering firm to develop a plan to switch the polluted Flint River for the interim period um, while Flint waited for this new water source. And again, it was to save money. Flint's third manager, Darnell Early, came in 2014 Um, And he wrote to the Water Authority, quote, there will be no need for Flint to continue purchasing water to serve its residents and businesses after April 17, 2014, even though the Water Authority kept renewing offers. Early just wouldn't work out any sort of deal with them. Detroit was under complete control of another emergency manager, Kevin Orr, who is a hotshot attorney from the corporate firm of Jones Day, Don't pretend that this isn't really all about money and all about corporate attorneys basically selling their soul to squeeze up every penny while they poison and destroy the future of children of color, because it is. And at the same time, this this expanded emergency manager bill stripped any semblance of local democracy. Okay. There's no guesswork here. Not at all. <sighs> so complaints came in about the water's taste, smell, and color was making them sick. They endured boil advisories because there was high coliform bacterial levels. Um, they faced unsafe levels of a carcinogenic chlorine byproduct um, before the University of Michigan Flint um, was the first to find high lead levels in its water in 2015. The water's corrosive. Snyder and his group from Mackinac decided not to use the anti corrosive additive. So they knew, if nothing else, the water from Flint was going to basically leach lead into people's metabolisms once they drank the water. Okay. Then Rachel Maddow and Amy Goodman's Democracy Now carried the story, but they were the only two major national tele TV outlets to sound the alarm. Okay. And and that in and itself is outrageous. Okay. Keep in mind this piece that I'm looking at now, this information, is coming from um, basically Arne Pearson, who is a writer and an activist. He's the executive director of the Center for Media and Democracy. He, before that, he served as the vice president for policy and litigation at common cause. Okay? So, more went on. Okay? All this is going on, you know, Snyder's law, it is anti-democratic, it's unconstitutional. Everybody connected with it. Every lawyer that defended it, that worked for Snyder or Mackinac, every single one of them should be disbarred. Okay? There's no guesswork here. They basically told people in communities like Pontiac and Flint, you're poor, you're communities of color, therefore you have no right to run your own community. The fact these communities were suffering financially was because the auto industry bailed and went elsewhere where they didn't have to pay union wages, okay, because of free trade agreements backed by both Democrats and Republicans That, again, draining jobs because of white flight, draining jobs. There's no guesswork here, all right? All throughout this, the Mackinac Center is unapologetic, all right? They couldn't care. This is Mackinac's Michigan Capital Confidential. They posted an article where they were basically going after the ACLU and Michigan Radio, because these two sources exposed this, this crime, you know, exposed how Michigan State officials tried to cover up or ignore the water crisis in Flint, okay? And that's the other thing that happened, too. Um, apparently, this went on for a while, and then, sorry, folks, um after this hit the national airwaves, Snyder announced that Flint would switch back to Detroit water at a cost of twelve million. Well that's nice. But the damage was done. The children of Flint face permanent damage, as documented by CBS News in an article titled Doctors Explain the Long-Term Health Effects of Flint Water Crisis. Okay? There was a closed door meeting with Snyder, and Flint's mayor said the cost of replacing pipes that were corroded by the Flint River could reach 1.5 billion. Okay, and God bless Michael Moore because he, after this, he called for Snyder's arrest, and uh, he was right. And it finally happened. It only took several years. So. This really is a story about not only the fact that the children of Flint were poisoned, as well as the adults, but they lost the right to self-govern, okay? And this is something where when we see groups like the Mackinac Center pushing this behind the scenes, they have to be held accountable. When you push to nullify democracy, you are, in effect, committing treason, That's not hyperbole. It's a fact. And the fact that this happened in majority black cities, no shock there. Okay, we talk about environmental racism on the show all the time. But what a lot of affluent whites fail to understand, or even middle-income whites, what they don't understand is when it happens to communities of color, when injustice is pushed onto communities of color, when injustice is pushed onto poor communities, it's only a matter of time before they're next. Because this, talk about cancer, this cancer of greed, this addiction to greed is what's truly driving this insane quest for power. It just is. So Snyder's law may have looked neutral at the face, but no, it had a disparate impact on blacks. And, you know, once again, this is something that has to stop. Um, And white communities know this, okay? There was a state rep named Cindy Denby, and she's white, and she was commenting, she was quoted about the emergency manager law, and apparently she must come from a more affluent, mostly white community, and she was quoted saying that the emergency manager law was, quote, not intended for places like Livingston County, really. U.S. Congressman John Conyers went to the Dep- Justice Department to review the EM law for a violation of Voting Rights Act in the U.S. Constitution. Okay, I was on the right trip, on the right track. Um, and this was as documented by, I'm sorry, Mother Jones. So, in other words, a group, a coalition of civil rights groups, they filed a federal lawsuit, it was known as Phillips v. Snyder, and they argued that the emergency manager law violates, quote, multiple state and federal constitutional rights. So, in December 2014, U.S. District, Judge, District Court Judge George Karen Stee ruled the following, that part of the case can move forward because the emergency manager law disproportionately impacts. African-Americans, and the judge said that the law, quote, gives, quote, enormous discretion to state decision-makers and creates significant potential for discriminatory decisions, end quote, okay? Um, the plaintiffs filed an appeal to the Sixth Circuit. I'm glad that Judge Steve ruled that way. I'm upset that his ruling didn't go farther not only does it disproportionately affect black communities or communities of color, but he should should have also ruled that this was a nullification of local democracy, period. That's it. And those that pushed it should not only be uh, slapped with civil civil penalties to the communities they hurt, but they should face full criminal prosecution and mandatory jail time. And the attorneys should face permanent disbarment. So, but it isn't just Flint, okay? It turns out the same emergency manager who screwed up Flint's water situation, Darnell Early, he went on to become Snyder's pick as, of emergency manager for Detroit school system in 2015. And his tenure, there were deteriorating and unhealthy conditions in the schools, leaking roofs, mold, broken windows, bullet holes in classroom walls, the teachers protested with a series of stickouts, um, finally basically early resigned, but besides earning a salary of two hundred and twenty one thousand dollars to basically screw over the Detroit school system, he also received an eighty three thousand dollar consulting contract. I don't know what it was he was going to consult so you know once again um. This is something that we have to attack. Um, It just is. All through this, Mackinac couldn't care less. And Snyder, you know, I guess he thought he was going to just walk away quietly. Okay. There was a task force in 2016 that released a report. And basically, it concluded that the emergency manager law contributed to the Flint crisis um, because it removed checks and balances that is supposed to use. And it called for a review of the law and a search for alternatives. And while that report is welcome, again, it doesn't go far enough. There should be absolutely no, no room for any nullification of democratic rule, period. None. And you know, once again, there's nothing new here. So the Flint Water Crisis, which we talked about, resulted that resulted in the massive lead poisoning of Flint's kids, is a symptom of what I'll say a more dangerous cancer. Fascism, true fascism, which is really corporate governance. There's no room in an actual democracy for the legislative obscenity, otherwise known as the emergency manager law. There's no legal right which would justify the actions of any legislator, governor, judge, or even a president to nullify the results of a fair election. None. Now, it's a positive sign that former Governor Rick Snyder and several others are now facing criminal prosecution for their actions in the Flint crisis, but that's not enough. It is patently unconstitutional to nullify a fair election for any reason. Add to that the additional obscenity that the people of Flint were denied the right to self-govern, for no other reason than the fact that they were poor and, and black and we have a recipe for dictatorship. The people of Detroit, Pontiac, and Flint were disenfranchised through litigious tr- trickery and deceit. The intentions of any EM manager are irrelevant. The mere existence of this anti-democracy device that was pushed by the Mackinac Center with money from the DeVos and the Kochs To be caused to strike the EM law down as unconstitutional and permanently disbar, as I said before every attorney that went to defend it. I mean, come on, people. What good is it going to vote if the election results can be tossed aside as some kind of cruel joke? We've seen that on a national level now, as QAnon and Trumpers were desperate to set aside the results of a fair election. They didn't come up with that idea themselves, and I guarantee you, neither did Donald Trump. I bet you 10 to 1, with a little research, you'd find that this came from one of those think tanks like Mackinac or like ALEC. Keep in mind, these think tanks frequently are headed by attorneys who know this is unconstitutional. This is, uh, this is an instance where these communities It is not too harsh to say. These communities were politically raped. And their children were callously poisoned with lead and other toxins in unsafe, untreated water. Water so polluted that when General Motors attempted to wash their own car parts with it, those same GM car parts corroded upon impact, corroded upon contact. What does it take? People, we have got to wake up. I know I'm kind of on a soapbox tonight. But we have no business we have no business lecturing people across the world about democracy when we don't have one here. There are many democracies throughout the world, and I find it incredibly ironic to say but of all the world's established democracies, the United States is the least democratic, and it isn't just because Trumpers and the Proud Boys are basically and are white supremacists and neo-Nazis, which they are. But it's also because we have a corporate power structure and corporate attorneys that have actively worked to dismantle democracy itself. That's it. I do believe you get the kind of government you deserve. And what that means is you have to remain engaged, you have to stay on top of things, and yes, you have to legally fight when these corporate cronies are trying to steal your rights. That's it. Again, think about the families whose children have been permanently damaged. One day they had perfectly normal little kids with bright futures as long as they received an education. And then, as they took a glass of water over several months, their entire futures were destroyed. they were left permanently brain damaged to varying degrees. And Snyder and his cronies get to walk away. And the people at the Mackinac Center who pushed this get to walk away and go to their country clubs. This cannot be allowed to stand at all. There's a reason why the forces of racism, misogyny, Religious bigotry and so on are so strong. Large corporate money and the GOP as well, they need that level of division because the GOP has nothing to offer. They can't win unless they use a combination, a toxic witch's brew of racism, misogyny, religious bigotry and other bigotries mixed together with a good dollop of massive premeditated voter suppression. And then you toss in some white supremacists and neo-Nazis and you have, you've got this in the making. I hope you tune in again to our program. Normally I'm not this wound up, but this story really hit me hard. You know, I taught in an impoverished school district. I taught in St. Louis City Public Schools for 30 years. And I'll end with this little story. Early in my career, it must have been the late 80s, I remember screen, doing speech and language screening of kindergartners in this certain zip codes. And these children were 5, 6, and sometimes 7 years old. And out of some 40 children... Close to 38 of them not only flunked the screening, but they were approximately at the level of maybe a two-year-old. And I remember getting in my car at the end of the day, and I just sat there and cried because I knew these children had been damaged. And it turns out in St. Louis in certain zip codes, yes, there was massive lead poisoning, and the administration didn't care you can't make this stuff up. This is evil. And we basically have to pay attention to what Nobel Laureate and Holocaust survivor, Ali Weissel basically said. I'm paraphrasing it. The only thing needed for evil to triumph, for evil people to triumph, is for good people to remain silent and do nothing. Solidarity, people. We will save our babies yet. And so that, that is the, um, sorry, I'm having problems with my phone. That is our show tonight at EJR. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be talking more about that next week. We are going to have noted environmentalist and environmental warrior, Maggie Herchala, who is going to talk about how she was slap suited. We're just trying to protect the water in her community. Mayor Chala is a national treasure. I know you're going to enjoy it. Come and tune in. This is Janine Moloff at the Environmental Justice Report saying good night. And to those of you who are environmental warriors, God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh.